Chapters one, two, and three of War and Woman by Mrs. St. Clair Stobart. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter one. For the first time in history, a company composed exclusively of women has had the experience of going to the front in a campaign, and of improvising and administering, in a foreign country, a hospital for sick and wounded soldiers. The Women's Convoy Corps was invited by Queen Eleonora, by the Bulgarian Red Cross Society, and by the Bulgarian Medical Military Authorities, to render assistance during the war of the Balkan states against the Turks. The contingent which went out in response was self-contained as to doctors, nurses, cooks, etc., and numbered, including myself as organizer and administrator, sixteen. I propose in the following pages to describe the experiences with which we met during our ten weeks in Bulgaria, and also to discuss the general subject of women in warfare, and to attempt to answer the question, ought women to take a practical share in national defense, and to be included as an integral portion of the territorial service? Now, this innocent-looking word, ought, is the most misleading word in the dictionary for it assumes a plain and pious issue between something that is comfortably right and something else that is definitely wrong whereas public opinion the sole arbiter of standards of right and wrong never recognizes that a thing is right till it has been shown to be expedient and this makes all the difference for it means that if you really want to convince the public that a thing is right and that it ought to be done you must prove to the public that the thing will be expedient for the public that it will not, that is, injure more public interests than it will serve. But expediency cannot be proved by either of the two arch-humbugs which are usually trotted out to cajole the unwary. Expediency cannot be proved by either argument or figures. Argument can prove that black is white, black grown shabby gets grey, white grown dirty gets grey, and things that are equal to the same thing are equal to one another. Q.E.D and figures can prove on properly manipulated balance sheets that income and expenditure have hit it off to the very farthing a proposition which is for most of us an obvious absurdity but argument makes the mob mistrustful and figures are for the multitude figures of speech only the arts and wiles of argument and of figures combined are powerless to persuade that conservative old entity public opinion that some new course of action will be for his interest until this has been proved by practical demonstration florence nightingale might for instance have argued with the eloquence of demosthenes that it was right for a woman to nurse the sick and wounded and that she ought to be allowed to face the horrors of the crimean war for that purpose she would never have got there she however showed the genius of the true reformer she demonstrated by practical methods her capacity for alleviating suffering and by conduct not words proved the expediency for all concerned of allowing women to do work for which nature has specifically fitted them between vague wavering capability and fixed indubitable performance as carlyle puts it what a difference and now the women's convoy corps have given a practical demonstration of the capacity of women to be of independent service in warfare it is hoped, therefore, that this account of their work may help to prove the expediency of allowing women not only to work in hospitals of war, but to take a responsible position in the territorial service of the country. End of chapter 1 Chapter 2 The origin of the convoy corps was as follows. I had been living for some years on the African veldt in the Transvaal, 
where one was face to face with real things big things things of life and death no one had time out there to write about things or to talk about things one had to do things but when i came back to london i found everybody very busy writing and very busy talking about two great dangers which were at that moment supposed to be threatening england the first was invasion of this country by germany this was expected every morning at breakfast time with the arrival of the daily mail and judging by the press generally and by the conversations at clubs street corners and dinner tables the population was in a real state of panic but i was surprised to find that the golf courses bridge tables and other familiar centres for the unemployable were no less crowded than usual with men who talked tearfully of the rotten state of the territorial army but were themselves doing nothing for its salvation and with men and women who deplored the unpreparedness of england for the landing of the germans but seemed unanimously to think it was somebody else's job to be prepared the other danger with which i found england confronted was the possibility of the granting of the parliamentary franchise to women i had not at that time studied the question but i was struck with the quaint way in which women were ignoring the one proof of expediency which was to hand women refused to see that the best way of proving to public opinion their power of judgment in political matters concerned with the larger and imperial parliament was to give a practical demonstration of their political judgment as elected members of the lesser parliaments the county and municipal councils but women i found took an interest in municipal elections precisely in inverse ratio to their interest in votes for women in burlesque fashion this only available practical demonstration of women's political capacity was being exploited by the anti-suffragists who argued that though women were unfitted to select others even though these others were men to do work in the larger parliament for which there is little individual responsibility they are fitted to be themselves selected to perform in the lesser parliaments work for which there is in the absence of an autocratic cabinet much individual responsibility a gilbertian climax was presently reached believing that municipal work is women's work believing further that conviction is worthless till it is converted into conduct i accepted an invitation in march nineteen thirteen to stand for westminster in the forlorn cause of progressivism for election to the london county council i then found that the suffrage societies were all too busy getting the parliamentary vote to be able to assist in securing the return of one of the few women who were standing as l c c candidates whilst the anti-suffrage societies which are concerned with showing that municipal work is the one and only legitimate outlet for women's political activities would not assist my candidature because forsooth i was though not a militant suffragist a believer in the political enfranchisement of women but these two dangers invasion by germany and invasion by women the scylla and charybdis upon which it was feared the british empire might at any moment founder had neither of them at the time of my return to london from the transvaal been investigated by me imbued however as i was with the practical philosophy of the veldt i was at once struck by the juxtaposition in time and space of these two problems the coincidence seemed as far as women were concerned full of interest and significance for if it were on the one hand true that the country was momentarily liable to invasion by a powerful enemy and that our defence was as represented totally inadequate then it seemed obvious that the help of women might usefully be employed in national defence whilst as concerning the right of women to the parliamentary franchise how i argued 
could women prove that they were capable of taking a share in the work of national and imperial parliaments unless and until they had shown their capacity for taking an interest in national and imperial affairs so long as women's interests were purely personal and parochial so long must their influence remain personal and parochial and how better could they show their interest in national and imperial affairs than by taking a share in national defence for if women desired to share in the government of the country it seemed plain to me that they must share in the responsibility of defending the country and here is the bedrock cause of the foundation of the women's convoy corps the only way of showing that they are capable of taking a real share in national defence is to prove it by practical demonstration this task of demonstration seemed well worth while since two birds of public danger would be hit by one stone i felt convinced that there must be some form of service in which i myself for instance could be of use in national emergency and what i could do could also so i argued to myself be done by thousands of other women i therefore set to work neither to write nor to talk but to do my first task was to discover whether there was anywhere within the territorial organization a gap wherein the services of women could usefully be employed i found my gap in that sphere of operations which occurs between the field and the base hospitals for according to the usual routine the wounded receive first-aid treatment and are removed from the battlefield to the field hospital by the royal army medical corps and so far all is well but the r a m c are a mobile force and have to move on to other battles with the troops from the moment therefore that the wounded have been first aided and deposited in the field hospital they are left to the tender mercies of voluntary orderlies or stray benefactors to take charge of them during their convoy to the evacuation hospitals along the lines of communication or to the base hospitals which may be at a distance of many days journey by road or rail precisely during the precious first hours or it may be days when most care is needed least is procurable and experience recently gained during the war in the balkans more than confirms this earlier belief that in every branch of work that occurs within this zone of operations the activities of women could usefully be employed with a view therefore to training women to be of general service in all forms of work occurring between the field hospital and the base the women's convoy corps was inaugurated i was fortunate enough to secure the cooperation of major langford lloyd d s o who was at that time head of the r a m c school of instruction in london with the help derived from his practical knowledge of the requirements a three years course of training was instituted and the following subjects were included in the curriculum first aid nursing cooking plain convalescent and camp laundry housewifery signalling morse and semaphore driving horse and motor riding cycling map reading and mapping life-saving in water stretcher and ambulance work wagon drill fire drill improvisation work in field and in hospitals etc an annual camp in camp the women live in tents which they pitch and strike themselves they dig their own campfire trenches construct their own camp kitchen and cook their own food in the open whatever the weather may be they perform all their own quartermastering and steward's work sleep on straw mattresses in unboarded tents and without the aid of male hewers of wood and drawers of water 
undergo a general training in improvisation discipline and self-reliance and learn generally speaking to approximate as nearly as possible to conditions likely to obtain in time of war of these subjects some as will be seen have a direct educational value for the object in view whilst others have for their main object training in resourcefulness self-sacrifice endurance discipline the evolution in short of a body of imperially trained women ready to turn their hands to any work which the nation may in emergency require of them but it will be suggested is not hospital nursing given a much too insignificant place in this scheme of work surely nursing should be the first and foremost if not the sole object of training it is within the hospitals that women's work must lie this is the view apparently held by the b r c authorities and the war office who have since the inauguration of the convoy corps organized a scheme of v a d s composed respectively of women and of men to look after the home defences of the sick and wounded but i contend and my experience in the balkan war confirms me in my belief that it is not within the organized and fully equipped base hospitals that the help of volunteers men or women is in time of war required there exists already in this country a magnificent staff of fully trained nurses who are competent to deal in hospitals with ward work from which amateurs and volunteers are better excluded it takes a trained nurse three years of continuous training and drudgery within the walls of a hospital to learn the work and discipline of the wards and it is absurd to imagine that a few lectures on first aid and home nursing even supplemented by an occasional odd day or two or even a few weeks in the outpatients department or the wards of a friendly hospital is going to qualify a woman who is not making nursing her work in life to understand all the intricacies and to deal with the diseases and conditions incidental to ward work the distinction between professional and amateur is probably in no profession more marked or of more importance than in that of nursing and it seemed to me for every reason desirable that the sphere of the professional nurse should be clearly differentiated from that of the volunteer nurse the latter should be regarded not so much as a nurse as a first aider to give first aid in every department of work occurring between the field hospital and the base the distinction between trained nurse and volunteer first aider should be complete both as to work and uniform it was to my mind grotesque that women after attending half a dozen lectures on first aid and home nursing should be allowed as under the regime of the b r c s and the war office to wear a nurse's uniform and regard themselves as fully competent members of a v a d qualified to take their places in a scheme of national defence it is not within the wards of base hospitals but in improvisation and in the rough and ready emergency work required in getting the wounded to the base hospitals that the help of those who cannot give their whole life to the work of nursing is required it was with a view to training women for this object that subjects extraneous to nursing such as ambulance wagon driving riding cooking washing map reading etc were included in the curriculum of the women's convoy corps End of chapter two chapter three this training had been satisfactorily in progress during four years and afforded every reason for belief that women trained and disciplined could take a responsible share in warfare without the need of gibeonites of the male sex who ought all if able-bodied to be in the fighting line but no opportunity of putting the training to a practical test had up to the autumn of nineteen twelve occurred 
and i was obliged to content myself with the knowledge that an imperially minded body of women was being trained for any national emergency which might arise and that this training was also of present value in that it taught women to be of a greater service in their own homes in domestic emergency in time of peace as well as of potential value in national emergency in time of war but in october of nineteen twelve the balkan war cloud burst bulgaria servia greece and montenegro declared war against their traditional enemy the turk the newspapers reported that thousands of wounded were daily being poured into hospitals which were overcrowded and understaffed and it was obvious that the arrangements for nursing the sick and wounded were generally inadequate the expediency of admitting women as nurses in the wards of hospitals of war had already been proved here it seemed was an opportunity of proving the expediency of extending the sphere of operations of women's work in war i realized that at all costs advantage must be taken of an occasion unique for the purpose of testing character by the opportunities it would probably afford of difficulties and hardships to be encountered and overcome i heard that the b r c s was dispatching units to nurse the sick and wounded and i at once applied for myself and for specially selected members of the convoy corps to be included amongst the first volunteers to be sent to the front every member of the convoy corps is also a member of a v a d registered with the b r c s at the war office the work and value of the training of the corps was well known and appreciated by the b r c s as well as by the w o and as only those members were offered for service who possessed special qualifications either as trained nurses or for length of service in the corps i had every hope that my offer would be accepted my feelings therefore can be imagined when the fiat went forth that the b r c s intended to send units consisting of men only to nurse the sick and wounded men of whom some as was eventually revealed knew more about the rules of football than of hospital work there was it was said no work fitted for women in the balkans now i ought doubtless meekly to have acquiesced in this decision of the supreme authorities i was meek for half a day and then i realized that many fully trained women nurses outside the corps even better qualified than some of us were also offering their services and were being refused because they were women and i felt that the whole cause of women's work in war and national defence was in danger of being retrograded by this decision of the b r c s for women were now being kept back even from that sphere of work which florence nightingale had as we imagined conquered for women once and for ever i determined therefore to go out to the balkans and see for myself whether there was indeed no work fitted for women or whether as i suspected the truth was that the b r c s imagined there were no women fitted for the work i knew better i knew that there were plenty of women admirably fitted for the nursing of sick and wounded whatever the conditions might be i believed that any work for which women were fitted was work fitted for women and i made up my mind to judge for myself upon the spot as to whether the conditions in the balkans were prohibitive or whether there was not indeed work in which trained and disciplined women could well in such a crisis be of use if after investigation of all the circumstances i should find that the work was unsuitable for women an unlikely contingency where nursing was concerned no harm would have been done but i should myself presumably gain some experiences of conditions in hospitals of war if on the other hand i should find as i fully expected that the services of trained and disciplined women were urgently needed 
i could cable to the members of the corps who had already been selected to join me wherever our work should be required the selection of candidates for this service necessarily caused some heart-burnings for in addition to technical qualifications length of service in the corps knowledge of french and german age no one under twenty-eight was eligible and stability both physical and physiological had to be taken into account doctors women from outside the corps had also to be selected for though no definite idea could be formed as to what work would be likely to be required i formed a notion in my own mind as to the work i wished to do i selected women rather than men doctors for the purpose of fully demonstrating my argument that women are capable of undertaking all work in connection with the sick and wounded in warfare had i waived this principle as regards the medical staff i ran the risk of being told if the experiment should succeed or equally if it should fail ah yes but then you see you had male doctors with you but provisory arrangements were quickly made and i found myself after a preparation of two days entrained on the orient express en route via paris vienna and budapest for belgrade the capital of serbia End of chapter three